Good morning and welcome to our service today. We're so thankful you're here. We have guests and we're thankful for that. We want you to know that you're always welcome here at the Midway Congregation. We'd love to get to know you better. And if you're looking for a place where you can worship and serve the Lord, we're looking for you and we want you to be a part of this great congregation. If you were here last week, many of you were, you know that we had a great gospel meeting. Brother Acuff began on Sunday night and then went through Wednesday night, not all in one sermon, but four great sermons. And uh, we appreciate him for the lessons that he presented and there's a, uh, a letter out on the table in the foyer. If you haven't seen that and signed that yet, it's a thank you letter that will be sent to Brother Acuff. And if you'd like to sign that, be one of the names put on that, we would love for you to do that. And we'll try to get that in the mail this week. So look, at, look for that as you leave this morning. Connor will appreciate this probably because of who it was. But when I was just a small child... And many of you may remember preachers doing this, but, you know, you would come about 15 minutes before the service started and the gospel preacher from who was holding a gospel meeting, and he would call all of the young people down to the front and he would sing songs with them, you know, do a little Bible class like, like we call pew packers sometimes. But, but Brother W.T. Allison, Truett Allison as I know him, uh, he, he used to do that when he would come. His father-in-law was the preacher where I was... Uh, attending, My family was attending when I was just a, a small boy. But I remember one of the songs that he taught us during that little class, you know, before the gospel meeting started. And it goes something like this. Roll, roll, chariot roll. Roll, roll, chariot roll. Roll, roll, chariot roll on the road to Gaza. And then it goes, and, and you repeat the words three times for each one, but it goes, run, run, Philip, run, 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 Philip, run, 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 Philip, run, on the road to Gaza. And it, preach, preach, Philip, preach. And then it comes, baptize, bury me. Baptize, bury me. Baptize, bury me on the road to Gaza. You probably know the background from which that little song comes, it comes from the book of Acts chapter number 8, and it's there that Derek read this morning from that passage, and, and as we look back at that background, we understand that Philip was told by an angel of the Lord that he was to go down, he had been preaching in Samaria, and he was to go down to this road, this particular place, and we know that when he got there, the Spirit told Philip that he needed to run to this uh, particular chariot that was coming down the road. And, and we remember the story, how all that unfolded. Philip goes up and he says to the man who was reading from the book of Isaiah, he says, do you understand what you're reading? And, and the eunuch who was in that uh, chariot, who was an official from the, uh, from the town or from the country of Ethiopia... Uh, he said, how can I except some man should guide me? And so Philip got up into the chariot with him. And as they were riding down that dusty road at that time, Philip begins to talk to him and to preach to him and to teach him. The Bible says in Acts chapter 8, at verse number 35, Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Uh, when, he, when the Bible says that Philip told him the good news, that's the same word from which we get our word evangelize or evangelism. And, and it's a word which literally means to proclaim good news. But the good news that this man was telling this eunuch, that Philip was telling the eunuch, 
was about Jesus. And so what he does, and when he, the Bible says that he began at the same scripture and preached unto him or told him the good news about Jesus, he's answering the question that the eunuch had asked, does this man, is he talking about himself or is he talking about some other person? But we know as we continue reading that the very next verse tells us, after the Bible says that Philip was telling him the good news about Jesus, that there is a strange question that's asked by this man who is writing, listening to Philip as he tells him about Jesus. Do you remember what the Bible says in Acts chapter 8 at verse number 36? The Bible says that as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What does prevent me, or what prevents me from being baptized? You know, Philip was preaching Jesus. He was preaching the good news about Jesus. Paul did that to the Corinthians, and we understand, we know what Paul taught the Corinthians. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, we understand that the Apostle Paul taught the Corinthians the good news, the gospel. But the Bible teaches us very clearly that when he taught them the gospel, he taught them the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Again, as you look in verses 1 through 4. But when the eunuch heard this story about Jesus... He knew that he needed to do something because he asked the question, what is preventing me from being baptized? He knew that he needed to be baptized. Folks, you see, we need to understand that, that when we preach Jesus, the only way we can do that is to preach his death, his burial, and his resurrection. But we also, when we preach Jesus, we cannot preach it without preaching the death that we die to sin the burial that we have in water, and the resurrection that we have to a newness of life. And so when Philip was uh, preaching that to this man on that day, that man knew that he needed to do something. And you know what? That question, what prevents me from being baptized, is a relevant question not just for him so long ago, but that question is relevant today. There are many people who need to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, who believe that they have obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, but they have not done what the eunuch did on that day and what every other person in the New Testament did in order to have salvation. Many people today are prevented from being baptized because of a number of things, some of which we'll talk about today. But you remember as you continue looking at Acts chapter 8, that this eunuch said, what prevents me from being baptized? But do you remember the next thing that is said? The thing that is said in verse number 37. The Bible says that Philip said, if you believe, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And the eunuch replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You know, as I look at that passage, I need, I need to understand something. You see, Philip is teaching us about one of the things that keeps some people from being baptized, or at least we glean that from this. We need to understand that a lack of faith sometimes prevents some from being baptized. They do not have the faith that is required. In the book of Mark, chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, we have a familiar uh, saying, a familiar teaching of Jesus. 
The Bible says he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel, the good news. Proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And then Jesus says in verse 16, Whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. You see, Jesus was teaching that day the same thing that Philip must have been preaching and teaching the eunuch on the day that he taught him when he was telling him about Jesus because the eunuch wanted to be baptized. Jesus says that we are to believe and be baptized. The eunuch says, what's preventing me? And Philip said, well, if you have faith, you can. And the eunuch confessed his faith in Jesus. But, but somebody might say, well, preacher, you know, the Bible says there in the book of Mark chapter 16, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that doesn't believe shall uh, be condemned. The Bible doesn't say the one who is not baptized shall be condemned. It doesn't have to. If you go back to the book of John in chapter 3 at verse number 18, Jesus very clearly teaches us whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Folks, it doesn't have to say that we are not, uh, if we're not baptized, because if we don't believe, we're not on our way to heaven. We're not saved. We're not in a, in, in a right relationship or right way with God. And so Jesus says to believe. Philip says, you need to believe, Mr. Eunuch. You need to believe if you want to be baptized. Jesus says, believe and be baptized in order to have your sins remitted or washed away or forgiven. But somebody says, well, preacher, I just don't understand it. You, you say I have to have faith. Yes. And, and the Bible teaches that we must have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please. And for he that comes to God must believe that he is that is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Hebrews chapter 11 at verse number 6. But, but preacher, I thought it was just faith. Well, let me, let's look at a verse. In the book of Colossians chapter 2 at verse number 12, we need to look at something in, in, in regard to faith and baptism. In Colossians chapter 2 at verse number 12, Paul writes to the, to the brethren at Colossae and he said, having been buried with him in baptism. Now we're talking about being prevented from being baptized, but Paul is talking about baptism here as well. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him. Now here's the part of the verse that I want you to pay close attention to. You were also raised with him through faith, there's our belief, there's our faith, in the powerful working of God who raised Him, Jesus, from the dead. Now think about that passage for just a moment. How is it that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead? Well, it was the power of God. But when God raised His Son from the dead, what did that do? Paul tells us what it did. In the book of Romans chapter 1 at verse 4, the Bible says, and was declared to be the Son of God. Now, now this time it's not a voice from heaven that says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. That took place at Jesus' baptism. That also took place at the transfiguration when Jesus was seen speaking with Moses and Elijah. But the Bible talks about Jesus being declared to be the Son of God 
But this time it says he was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. If I believe that Jesus could be raised from the dead by the power of God, and that He indeed is the Son of God, and the greatest evidence of that is His resurrection from the dead. If I have faith in that, I also have, have to have faith in the fact that when I am buried with Jesus in baptism, as Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 2, verse number 12, that He, by the blood of Jesus Christ, while we're buried in, in water, that He Himself can cleanse us of our sins and make us to rise again in a right relationship with Him, having died, that old man of sin having died, having been buried, and according to the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, raised up to walk in newness of life. There are some people who do not have the faith to allow them to be baptized. They say, I have enough faith to be saved. But the Bible says that the demons also have faith in Jesus, but that doesn't save them. And they believe and tremble, the Bible says. But as we look at what Jesus said and what is taught, not only by Him, but again by this example that we have in the book of Acts chapter 8. We have this man being baptized based on his faith. Faith in the working of God, Paul would say, there in the book of Colossians chapter 2 at verse number 12. It's not us that's accomplishing anything when we're baptized. I'm not doing it so that I can merit the grace of God. I will be saved by the grace of God. But it is God's power that takes away my sins through His Son's blood when I am baptized, buried with Him, and raised up again. But you know what? Some don't have enough faith in Jesus to believe that God uh, raised Him and that He can raise you. But there's one other observation that I would make here, and that's this. The eunuch confessed his faith in Christ. Acts chapter 8, at verse 37 if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You know, the Bible teaches in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, that we must confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, and we can be saved. The Bible says in verse 10, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. You know, there were some in the New Testament uh, some men who were of Jewish descent that uh, would not confess Jesus. The Bible says in John chapter 12 at verse 42, Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would be put out of the synagogue. They didn't have enough faith to carry through with everything that they needed to do that Jesus Christ was indeed the Son of God. And so a lack of faith sometimes prevents folks from being baptized. But what else? Well, let me suggest to you this morning a failure to repent sometimes uh, prevents some from being baptized. 
You remember in the book of Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 37, we have uh, the statement that's made in regard to to the, the sermon that Peter had preached. He had told the Jews on the day of Pentecost that they had taken the, uh, the very one that God had sent, had sent and, and they had nailed him to a cross, but God had raised him up. Uh, they had crucified him, but God had said through the resurrection that he is indeed my son. And so they asked, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Philip, or rather Peter, again, he answered them and said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repentance is necessary. In the book of Acts, chapter 17, verses 30 and 31, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all people everywhere to do something. What? Now He commands all people everywhere to To repent. Why? Because he's appointed a day in which he'll judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he has ordained, whereof he has given assurance in that he has raised him from the dead. Repentance is necessary. You know, sadly, sometimes it seems like some believe that so long as they're dipped in water, they can continue to live as though. No changes were necessary in their life. That they just continue on with the lifestyle that they had. They still dress like the world. They still talk like the world. They still in many ways act like the world. That's not repentance. That's not changing the mind which results in a change of actions. Peter said before we can be baptized, we must repent. And we must take that seriously. In the book of Acts chapter 26, beginning in verse 19 and going through verse 20, Paul says, Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. You see, Paul is is telling about his, his conversion, what happened to him on the road to Damascus. And he's telling that to King Agrippa. I wasn't disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. What had Paul himself done? Why was Paul on the road to Damascus to begin with? You see, Paul had gotten letters from the high priest that he could go down to Damascus and find the Christians who were worshiping there and arrest them or beat them or put them in prison or even have them put to death. That was his mission. But when Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus, you know, Paul made a complete turnaround. Not that he turned around and went back to Jerusalem. He went on into Damascus. But you know what? Paul went from being a persecutor of Jesus Christ to a preacher of the gospel of Christ, didn't he? And Paul would eventually give his life for Christ, for the the preaching of the gospel of Christ. That's a big turnaround. That's a big difference. From one who is standing cheering on a crowd of people who stoned Stephen to death to a man himself who was stoned and beaten and shipwrecked and all of the other things that he went through That's repentance. And Paul told the Gentiles to whom he went, 
He said, you have to repent. You have to change your mind and change your life. Good friends, if we're not willing to do that, then if we're not willing to stop living like a sinner and start living like a saved person, there's really no need for us to get wet. There's really no need for us to waste time. Repentance, you see, it precedes uh, baptism. We'll either repent, though, or we'll perish. Luke chapter 13, verse 3, and also verse number 5. And so a lack of repentance or failure to repent prevents some from being baptized. But, but what else? Are, are there other things? I believe so. You know, it may be that pride, pride that we have will prevent us from being baptized into Christ. Pride prevents some from being baptized. You know, some folks are too proud to admit that they need forgiveness of sins. You know, I, I believe I'm such a good person that, that all I need to do is just keep on my road. Just keep doing what I've already done. But they have so much pride in, in, in being a good person. If anybody should have had pride in, in the goodness of his life, it should have been a man by the name of Cornelius. Cornelius, the Bible tells us about him, he was a good man. He, he, he was a man who, who was a giving man. A, a man who, who gave alms, who, who, who gave things to people who needed them. And yet he was a man who needed salvation. You know, if anybody should have had pride, it should have been him and what he was doing. But he needed to hear the gospel. And, and just like the eunuch and just like everyone else... He needed to believe in Jesus and be baptized for the remission of his sins. Some are too, too proud to admit that they even need forgiveness. Some are too proud to acknowledge they, they're mistaken. Mistaken about their life. Even mistaken sometimes about their need for baptism. You know, that kind of pride always keeps people away from God. Back in the Old Testament, Psalm 138, verse number 6, For though the Lord is high... He regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. God will regard those who will humble themselves. In the book of James, chapter 4, verse number 6, But he gives more grace, therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If we're too proud to do what God said, then we're in trouble. We're in trouble. In the book of Acts chapter 20, verse 24, the Bible says, But I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. When I look at that passage and I see that Paul is teaching the gospel of the grace, I'm reminded of James chapter 4, verse number 6, where the Bible says that God will, will give grace, grace to the humble. But when he was preaching the gospel of grace, what was he preaching? Well, Paul said, again, as we've already noted, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 through 4, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And again, as we look at that in our reenactment, it's within that. And so we might sum it up in this way, no baptism, no grace, because he preached the gospel of the grace of God. Don't let your pride stand in the way of the grace of God. 
that was sent to bring salvation to mankind. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Not only pride, but sometimes peers prevent some from being baptized. You know, some are afraid of being ridiculed or ostracized by their peers, by their friends, by the ones that they hang out with. Uh, They're afraid that they're going to laugh at them. Back in Jesus' day, I've already noted this, but it was peer pressure that kept some from, from confessing Jesus, was it not? John 12, 40, 42 and 43, the Bible says, Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogues. Now watch this last part. And, and this is one of the most important parts. For they loved the praise of men. Do what? They loved the glory or the praise of men that comes from man more than the glory or the praise that comes from God. Sometimes our peers, they'll stop us from being baptized. In the book of Luke chapter 9, verse 26, Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Peer pressure should never hinder one from being baptized. It should never do that. If we know what to do to be saved, we know, what, that, we know that we are to do that in spite of what other folks might say. But let me add one thought to that, to, to this particular point. Sometimes we should not allow peers to pressure us to be baptized. without faith and repentance on our part. Again, I refer back to the days when I was growing up. It wasn't uncommon during those days in gospel meetings for, for several of the young teenagers perhaps to come and be baptized all at one time. And, and you may have four or five or more in a congregation. And you know, I can't help but wonder if sometimes uh, one or more of that group uh, if they hadn't decided to be baptized just because their peers were doing that. And, and they had no, in, no faith of their own in Christ. They had no intention of changing their life. You see, we shouldn't be pressured in that way either. Because without the faith and repentance that we've already spoken about, again, we're simply being immersed, dunked underwater, getting wet. We are buried a, a, a sinner and we're raised still a sinner because all of this other has not taken place on our part. And so again, we need to take care that we don't let peer pressure prevent us or our peers prevent us from being baptized. But here again, here's another one. One's own people, one's own family, sometimes prevent some from being baptized. You know, some are concerned with what their family will think. I have known people who have been disowned by their family members when they were baptized for Christ. I think I told the story here at Midway of a young lady who was with us in college when I was there in the 80s who decided to obey the gospel and her parents kicked her out and they refused to continue to pay for her college education and she remained faithful even though they took place. I could name you 
uh, other examples, one of which you all probably would know, whose family kicked them out because she obeyed the gospel. But as we think about that, we don't need to allow our family to stand between us and God. Do you realize that Abraham, that we refer to so many times as the father of the faithful, that, that he had to leave the religion of his parents, of his father, in order for him to be faithful to God? If you have your Bible, look at the book of Joshua, chapter 24. And look at verse number 2. There, there's a real familiar passage, a famous passage found later on in verse 15. But I want us to back up to verse number 2. And look at what the Bible says. Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, the river. Terah... The father of Abraham and of Nahor. Now watch these last few words. Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor. They, he lived on the other side. Your fathers lived on the other side of the Euphrates. And they served other gods. If Abraham had continued in the faith of his family. If he had allowed Terah, his father, to influence him more than his father in heaven, we wouldn't be talking about Abraham, the father of the faithful. Now would we? He had to leave his family. No wonder God required him to go so far away so that he wouldn't be influenced by his family, perhaps. But he did. And so, that makes more sense then when we get down to Joshua 24 at verse 15. And the Bible says there, And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers, uh, the gods your fathers served on the other side or beyond, uh, in the region beyond the river. What river? The Euphrates. Or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, you can finish that out, can't you? We will serve the Lord. Jesus made it clear that family shouldn't prevent us from doing His will. He said in Matthew 10, 37 and 38, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take uh, his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. On the other hand, Matthew 19, verse 29, Whoever has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Somebody says, if I were to be baptized, I'd be condemning my mother or my father uh, to hell. Good friend. You can no more condemn your parents to hell than you can preach them into heaven. You just can't do it. You have no control over their life. But let me tell you something. You can cast a reflection on the raising that you got. I'm pretty sure most every parent teaches their child, perhaps there are some who don't, 
but they teach their child to be honest. To be honest in the things that they do in life. And when they find something to be the truth of God's Word, are we going to dishonor our parents by being dishonest in what we know that we need to do? Don't let our, our people, our own family, don't let them prevent you from doing what God's Word has to say. Next, an absence of proper understanding prevents some from being baptized. Some people believe that they don't know enough to be baptized, and so therefore they shouldn't be baptized. Yet, like the eunuch, one must know, uh, uh, not know everything. Uh, most conversions, like the eunuch, took place after one sermon, did they not? One chariot ride is all it took for the eunuch to be convinced that he needed to obey the gospel. But we do remember what is said in the book of Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, don't we? Go and make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Particularly in verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. You see, there's still a lot of teaching that comes about after one is baptized. And so a lot of the spiritual development must come as we grow as Christians. But one last thing, and that's this. Pure procrastination prevents some from being baptized. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 at verse 2. He says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Why would we put it off? James chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we'll go in such and such a city and Spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? It's just a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. You know what? We don't know how long that we have. We simply do not know. I may have told this story before. I know I, I use it in gospel meetings some. Several years ago, when Marlene and I were serving as first responders, medical first responders in Atwood, I, we received a call one Saturday afternoon. I was the first to get on the scene. man was lying in his carport. He was having a heart attack. We began to check him, began to do chest compression, CPR, worked on him all the way to the hospital. And as it was, upon some occasions, the paramedics, when they arrived, they would have one of us who were first responders to drive the ambulance on down. So I did on that day. And I walked into the, to the hospital emergency room uh, just like they did. I was there while the doctors were working as hard as they could on this man to make sure or try at least to revive him. We couldn't do it. And they pronounced him dead. And like I did so many times, sometimes you would go from being a, uh, a first responder, you'd have to take that hat off, not literally, but 
figuratively and put on your preacher hat. And so I did on that day. And I walked out, never forget it, walked out of the, the back into the waiting area where this gentleman's wife was standing. And I was there as the doctor told her that we did everything we can, but your husband is gone. And I will never forget her very first words. Oh, Brother Mark, Brother Mark, oh, Brother Mark, what am I going to do? He promised he was coming back to church tomorrow. Tomorrow never came. Tomorrow didn't arrive for him. We can't procrastinate. Put it off. Because we do not know what the future holds. But some, some will do that. One day, one day I'm going to obey the gospel. I know you have two other blanks left on your sheet. The eunuch went on his way rejoicing. And I can assure you this morning that when you are obedient to our Lord, you too can leave this place rejoicing. Do you this morning desire the assurance of salvation that the eunuch enjoyed though? Do you have that? 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, the Bible says, Because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water, Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, Peter said exactly the same thing we've been saying this entire lesson. Our faith in God, our appeal to God to have our sins washed away, not our body washed, but our sins washed away when we're buried with Jesus and we contact His blood. Just as Jesus was raised from the dead, from the grave, you and I can be raised a new person. May I ask you this morning, if you need to be baptized and you know that today, what is preventing you from doing that? And may I encourage you this morning, don't let anyone or anything prevent you, even this day, from being baptized for the remission of your sins. So that you too might, like that eunuch so long ago, leave this place rejoicing because of your assurance of salvation found in Jesus. You know, there are many who are here this morning, most, who had been baptized for the remission of their sins, and yet their life might not be, have, have been lived in harmony with the will of God. In other words, we may have sinned, said something, done something, acted in ways that we shouldn't have. If that is the case, what's preventing us from coming back to the Lord? Being restored to Him. Asking Him in prayer that our sins might be forgiven. It may be today that you need to do that in a public way. We're here for you. What prevents you 
Hopefully nothing. Nothing this morning will prevent you from being obedient to your Lord, whatever that might be. If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation today, why don't you do it right now as we stand?